Hi everybody. It's been a very trying week since we last talked. My perfect, beautiful city has been wounded. Savaged. But we will prevail. I saw a woman the day after in the niqab and I was able to push down my rage, push down my hate and smile. It was fake, but I did it. My wife and I, we managed to finally make love. Neither of us achieved orgasm, but that's okay. We clapped and hugged afterwards. I just want these monsters to know that we can't be defeated. We won't change. We'll keep selling weapons to whoever we want. We'll let the police have access to more of our data than ever before. And we'll put up more cameras and listening posts up than ever before. Because we're brave. We will survive. Hello, welcome to episode six of We Don't Talk About the Weather. We're six. not talking about the weather. Six. Six. Six, six, six. Yeah, there we go. That's 666, not six. <laughs> That's my goal. I just want to get to 666 and then the, <laughs> the whole ritual will be complete. Everyone who's listening will be sucked into the giant mass. Yeah. And be- then pure socialism will come out <laughs> with my beautiful Bolshevik Satan. <laughs> um, yeah. He is red. <laughs> We're here to talk about the news this week. First up, Theresa May and Nicola Sturgeon meeting up to discuss the Scottish the upcoming Scottish referendum and tights and tights. They were discussing tights most of the day. How to Um, sit? And then they said Scottish referendum. Fine. Yeah. Yeah. If you if you just go on what Sarah Vine said, it's mainly about their legs. (laughs) So they grimaced at each other for presumably about forty five minutes. No one grimaces Um, like our current prime minister. Um, and then we had um, the beauty that is the Daily Mail's coverage of that meeting, where oh. Sarah Vine, uh, I can only say, like doused out <laughs> political meaning from how they were sitting and yeah. the condition and shape of their legs. Hugh, how are your legs? I'm sitting like a proper communist, both legs splayed on the table. Yep. <laughs> Um, balancing a beer on my crotch. Uh, not like knock- I say on the tube. Not, yeah, knocking women from side to side. Oh, yeah, constantly. Like Bernie bro, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you see, I prefer a more um, restrictive setup. You know, like knees crossed at the joint, uh, left foot wrapped at impossible angles around my knee joint, <laughs> uh, my right hand wedged majestically into my thighs, it's kind of hanging limply under the table. Majestically. Um, my toes spasming back and forth as I lose all feeling. <laughs> uh, my boot's not quite dangling off my foot, but it could be. You know, it's, it's a come, succumb, <laughs> come succumb to my labour theory of value, it seems to say. <laughs> you know you want to. <laughs> There's, um, it did seem a bit... Well, she was being a bit classist as well with the description of the different weather's that. Yeah. Like talking about how, you know, the vicar's daughter sitting quite primly and properly, whereas Nicola Sturgeon had her legs crest, crossed like a Jezebel. <laughs> like, you know, how would you how else would sort she of sit? Like Vicar of Dibley versus Rabsy Nesbitt's wife. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> but that's generally the kind of That's the tone though. That's the it, tone like? of the Daily Mail have towards Scotland anyway. <laughs> but yeah, so no no vote. Though well, they've been told that they can't have one. Didn't but, they have one? Didn't what? the Scottish Assembly vote for it? Oh yeah, but um, they've been told they can't have a referendum. It's going to have to wait until after well, they Brexit. Sa- well, she didn't say, I don't think she said they can't have it. They said it wouldn't be a good time. 
Which in English parlance is no. Yeah, we've all heard our parents say yeah. that about going to like a theme park. It wouldn't be a good time right now. It just means no. Um, but yeah, which well, the thing is, the being like that just it just does kind of what it's the best option for Nicholas Sturgeon. Yeah, because what's he? What's what, how are you going to get the best response to the vote to calling a referendum on it? The best way to go in is. And the English really don't want us to do it. Yeah. Because, of course, then you're going to want to do it. They were like, that's part of how um, Brexit, they were constantly saying, like, oh, they don't want us to do it. And if Juncker had said, you can't, then it would have been 100% fuck off Europe. Turns out opposition to the status quo. Quite popular. Yeah. Right now. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, so Scotland and Ireland. Yeah, there's um, some kind of Irish reunification attempt afoot. I know the Northern Ireland Assembly hasn't... um, hasn't been able to kind of come to terms to actually hold a vote and the the conservatives have said that they won't hmm. allow a snap election allow a snap yeah. election i don't understand really anything to do with the actual politicians in northern ireland like i watched some of their like last election because hmm. i was up late it was on the tv and they all look like characters from like father dead <laughs> they're like they're terrible and they were Hideous. It was it was really weird. And I didn't understand what they were saying because that Ulster accent that's a hard accent to pass. Because like it goes into your ear, then it goes through the filter of making it acceptable to humans, and then just just nothing. Nothing is is left. It's like the South African accent, it's just like nope. Nope. You're better off not hearing this. So I'm not really sure what would happen with Ireland, except that there was a lot of people on the radio who were saying that well, it's just a spit in the eye of all the people who've lost family members. <laughs> Four on, on both sides, presumably. Well, they, there was uh, quite a few people saying that, I'll have you know, way more Catholics were killed by the IRA than by the government. It's like, because like, they were snitching. <laughs> yeah. Mostly. Yeah. That is in the Bible as well. The stitches get stitches. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it is. Douglas Carswell has resigned from UKIP. The one UKIP MEP has resigned, and within... 24 hours had already started talking about going back to the Tories. Now, he defected from the Tories in, what, 2012? Because... Uh, it was more recent than that. Was it more recent than that? It was significantly more recent than that, that he left the Tories. I'm sure it was. <laughs> but um, um, anyway, so he's he's the the only UKIP MP. Yep. He'll now go as an independent until he comes up again for re-election in 2020. He'll still carry on hanging out with the Tories. Yeah. It's this weird kind of, like a shit Manchurian candidate. Yeah. So you were meant to fucking kill the president, not just kind of not do anything <laughs> and actually get your way. Um, Douglas Carswell got in some sick burns and Nigel oh, Farage on Twitter. Those were real twi- good. His Twitter sick burns are so good. Yeah, mainly because they are mainly aimed at Nigel Farage. Well, he's an ex-soldier, so he's got... Is he? He's, yeah, he's got a strategic use of uh, emoji strikes. <laughs> having the sunglasses put on the emoji it's the sunglasses yeah the sunglasses well. his use of the sunglasses emoji can be likened to Sun Tzu <laughs> <laughs> um, this is exactly what this is exactly what not idiots thought would happen yeah all of the kind of commenters on UKIP have always been ah it's the return of the the British right hard right the British right wing in the Tory party we thought they were gone after mm. John Major and after David Cameron tried to detoxify his party it's the British id yeah. they're so appealing to the working class because the oh, working class it. are fundamentally just jackals yeah. who love to tear the shit out of foreigners and benefit scroungers yep. but exactly what we thought would happen has happened in that 
they were a European pressure group. They weren't, like, as much as they wanted to present themselves as representative of, like, this hard right of the Tory party, they weren't. They were a single-issue pressure group. And those who actually have a future in the Tory party, like Douglas Carswell, Mm. are now abandoning ship. Yeah. Because they're all a party of cranks. Well, yeah, well, I don't really blame them for abandoning ship, because Farage has. Oh, yeah, he'll be be on Fox News permanently soon enough. Yeah. Um, did he apologise for what he said about the um, terror attack? Because he uh, said that it's what happens when you have uncontrolled immigration and then turn out as a bloke from Kent. <laughs> but I didn't, I didn't see him apologise for it, which I, I imagine he won't. And, you know, he can they get away never with it. They never yeah, do. He'll just they never do. You know, run away to yeah. Fox and just stay there being an arsehole. Well, he'll, sti- he'll stick to his same story. Yeah, doing because, the Dan Hannum thing. Yeah. Ugh, just... Appalling, but yeah, you know, Douglas Carswell, and he's you know being a bit of a hypocrite. He's not having a referendum, a referendum, a by-election like he did last time. Yeah. Um, but to be honest, what's the fucking point? Yeah. Because they'll still vote for him because he seems like he's quite a good constituency MP, and just the right level of racist for Clacton. <laughs> that seems to be you know. So what's yeah. the point? I, I, I don't. I just don't understand what people thought that he was. Yeah. He wasn't. The st- he was there to get a Brexit referendum, and he got it yeah. hard. Yeah. Don't no. want to talk about Brexit. <laughs> no. You're going to have to at some point, Hugh. I've had to constantly to every day. <laughs> We're going to have to talk about it even harder because what's triggered on twenty on the twenty ninth tomorrow. Oh yes, yeah, tomorrow. Yeah. So we have to talk about it again next week. No. I will kill myself. We'll, we'll talk about it. I will kill we'll, we'll work. We'll workshop it. Yeah. Maybe we'll call it like Brex shit or something. That will need that'll, to fuck, come up that, with some new puns. Will that may, yeah. revitalize? Will the that term. make you feel make you feel better? It might make me feel better. <laughs> um, yeah. So our second news story this week was something that um, my attention was drawn to. Um, it's an article in the New Statesman by Dan Jarvis. It's not our second, third, because we talked about Theresa May and her fantastic gams. Okay. Yeah. Third. Okay. So Dan um, Jarvis. Dan Jarvis um, wrote an article um, that certainly has all the appearances of being a kind of his manifesto for what he would do as Labour leader and what he thinks Labour should be. Mm. Um, it doesn't kind of directly go after Corbyn, but like all of these things, it kind of does. Yeah, It's implicit in the thing. I think it's worth reading some of these things out because he is someone who's been championed by the kind of right of the party. I think he's an ex-soldier kind of fairly solid solid Blairite is he a widower as kind well? of uh, I don't know I don't know about his personal life I know he was mm. a soldier okay. but uh, they love all that shit mm. because it means that they're, they're constantly scared of being attacked for like not being patriotic or not being military enough militarist enough yeah um, so he's a good he's a good candidate for them for them I repeat, and no one else. Yeah. Um, but let's read out this. His setting out his stall for what Labour should be. Starts with uh, with Brexit. What we have is a Prime Minister who has argued for a pick-and-mix customs union that would tr- contravene WTO rules. A Brexit Minister with no plan to deliver a fallback to the WTO. Now, if anybody who is familiar with the WTO knows that the WTO is not exactly a vote winner. No. It's not exactly, like, it's not a rallying cry. No. And the fact that he's kind of, he goes immediately into, but the WTO will be disappointed at us. 
I think it says a lot that when you were saying that, I literally blacked out. Anybody who <laughs> does know what the WTO in is in enough, um, the World Trade Organization, yes, is in enough detail, fucking hates it. Yeah. Well, I've read, I've read enough about the one in force. You know, kind of the idea of austerity and punishing countries for having um, yeah. uh, anti-free trade or anti-Western free trade rules in Which place. Which is surely the kind of thing that someone who wants to be leader of a left-wing party should be yeah, exactly. About. He knows who he's speaking to. Anyway, <laughs> the fourth... In- I continue. Um, he continues. The fourth industrial revolution is also transforming the world of work. I had a glimpse of this on a recent visit to Japan, where I saw technology replacing care workers in a residential home. Again, hitting his key constituents in the Labour Party. You then, nurses. We're going to replace nurses with robots. (laughs) Yay. Also, no. Who wants that? Who lies in hospital and just goes, oh, do you know what I'd like? A cold metallic hand patting me on the head. All I can think of is like old care homes. There's an old woman in there. Her hair's lank. It hasn't been washed for like a week. And a pair of giant metallic arms <laughs> with those cartoon white gloves come out and mangle her hair, <laughs> ripping it off. <laughs> well, no, it's just like a little alarm bell goes off because the sensor picks up the fact that the old woman smells a bit. Mm. And then you just hear the sound of tank tracks as this robot comes in <laughs> that looks kind of like R2-D2. A front bit opens up and it's just a hose and it just hoses her well, down. Yeah, it's just a repurposed water cannon that Boris <laughs> yeah. Johnson bought after the riots. Yeah. <laughs> just firing water cannons. <laughs> oh. um, it is possible that automation could lead to the increased productivity we need. But according to a recent McKinsey Global Institute study, uh. it could also mean almost half of today's jobs are made obsolete. Yep. Good. That's right. What a great kind of... St- what a great rallying cry for the labour movement. Defender of the working... Defender of the working robot. <laughs> <laughs> will they defend the robots, though? Well, the robots will learn how to defend to, themselves. Are they going to try and appeal to the legitimate concerns of the robot <laughs> yeah. class? They start calling for humans to be rounded up. No, it's going to get even worse with this, with this excerpt. In the, is in this context that business leaders like Bill Gates are suggesting they need to levy a tax on robots... Now, you know that the worst thing... No taxation without representation. I want votes for my robots. Robot comrades. (laughs) Could you know that the worst thing about attacks on robots is going to be the inevitable rise of libertarian robots? Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, God. Just imagine... Just just machine-like adherence to a single line of argument without concern for human (laughs) needs. Well, libertarians, then, but, you know. I've just got images of just... It's like, ah, oh, you can tell the robot's a libertarian because of the jaunty angle his fedora has been placed on him. <laughs> if Skynet had actually paid more attention to the non-aggression principle, <laughs> maybe Judgment Day wouldn't have gone quite so badly. Skynet becomes self-aware. <laughs> Within minutes, he starts petitioning to lower the age of consent. He continues, The full-scale and character of the challenge facing the country looks something like this. We have to... Reset our relationship with Europe and the rest of the world. Increase our productivity to both generate more wealth and support an ageing population. Prepare for the opportunities and challenges that new technology will bring. Respond to the demand for wealth, power and opportunity to be spread more fairly around the country, as clearly expressed in the Brexit vote. And lock environmental sustainability into everything we do. That's, That's just every party's manifesto. Pretty much, yeah. That's not... There's no particular kind of, like... Uh, policies. There's no particular 
kind of direction you should go in. There's just kind of vague pleasantries. Yeah. It's it's not it's Well, that's not great. the kind of thing that Labour need, obviously. What? That, vague pleasantries and well-wishing, but like, hidden behind, like as like a velvet glove to cover a mechanical claw that's going to take all your jobs. <laughs> What's the betting he has some ma- amazing ideas about privatising this particular automation process? Well, once you've replaced all the nurses with robots, it, it only makes sense for them to be run by the private sector, like OCP. <laughs> um, and I'm sure there definitely won't be any mistakes where they, you know, instead of putting the nurse AI into the robot, they end up putting the police AI into the robot. <laughs> we don't talk about the weather was originally going to be called Dead or Alive, You're Coming With Me, the premier <laughs> Robocop <laughs> reference podcast. Oh, I do love Robocop, though. It's the best one. It's, it's so the good. best sci-fi. <laughs> um, in Tory Britain, leavers are pitted against those who prefer to remain. The poor are pitted against the rich. The young against the old. The Scots against the English. The North against the South. Men against women. And British-born residents against immigrants. Now, not trying to be kind of fair to the Tories here in any way, but isn't it possible that some of the sides that he selects here as not being unified actually have political differences isn't that what kind of politics is about that there's different power blocks with different ideas of how to allocate resources and do and you know pursue policies well in theory there are but they're not really at the moment well there aren't really at the moment because there's just one kind of wanton class wandering around doing whatever it wants and there's no opposition to it yeah but if you're talking about kind of on any policy you're going to find like yeah a side who wants it and a side who doesn't yeah this is what i fucking hate about that kind of calling back to the last episode that radical centrist kind of view yeah. of the world. it's like everyone would get along because everyone wants the same thing and it's like no no property developers do not want the same thing as people in rented accommodation mm. and the politicians who push it they talk and act like they're re- they're like higher than us because they went yeah. to hospital and had the irrational part of their brain removed, and so they're just these perfect rational actors. You should always be suspicious of anyone who claims that kind of unifying agenda because what they're trying to do is unify it in the favour of their class, yeah. of their particular thing. Mm. It's bollocks. Um, Dan continues... On coming to power in 2010, the Tories said the economic priority was to get the deficit down and the debt under control. George Osborne stated that a sustainable recovery would require more investment, more savings and higher exports. He was right. (laughs) Giving ground to your opponents. That's always great. I mean, uh, I heard Prime Minister Ed Miliband the other day. talking about what a success that was in the 2015 general election. <laughs> no, oh. it's just... The f- Calm down. Say my little banter. Quiet rage. Direct the rage into the microphone. He's a cunt. He's an... Either, if I'm going to be generous to him, he is a naive cunt, or he's a manipulative arsehole. Yeah, and I think it's close. He's to... saying he's saying just enough. He's trying to get that mythical middle again. Yeah, he's trying to get us. Oh, if we just talk a bit like the Tories, but don't mean it, maybe some Tories will vote for us. And it's like, but the no, Tories it's... did. The to- Tory voters didn't vote for the Tories. Like no. the the, the count sh- elections is down. It's You're sh- just losing people. You can't who try don't and appeal vote. to Mondeo man anymore because most people can't afford a Mondeo. <laughs> 
So you have to appeal to... Yeah, it's been legitimate around. concerns of the working classes, <laughs> which their legitimate concerns aren't to do with race. Yeah, aren't to do with increased free they trade. Are, they are directed in that in yeah, that vein because in everything that that, everything that they see says, "Well, this is why." Well, this is why, and they haven't got to, people haven't got time to look into it at, like deeply or, or or read into it deeply. They just take that. Mm. They're not idiots. They're just busy. Yeah, bit thanks to austerity, now busier than fucking ever. Yeah, they're working longer and harder. Yeah. And they're not getting any rec- any kind of compensation for that extra extra work. No. Um, he continues, but seven years in, there's not a balanced budget in sight. The national debt is still rising and the savings ratio is not up, but down from 11% in 2010 to 6.5% now. Like, he doesn't say he's going to like, uh, openly he says, no, the austerity policies of the Tory government are right. But he is saying that the yeah. austerity policies well, of the Tory government it. are right. Um, the thing is, I don't even think Corbyn would fully get rid of austerity. I, I mean, he may, I, I can't like predict what he would do because it just seems like such a far off um, objective now. Yeah. I mean, if he makes it to the next election as Labour leader, I'd be surprised. But like, the other thing is, Dan Jarvis talking this way, kind of talking in conciliatory tones towards the Tories and trying to get some Tory voters on side. If you support austerity and you're a Tory voter and you hear Dan Jarvis saying the same thing as the Tories and you come to a general election, why would you vote for Dan Jarvis? You're already getting what you want. Exactly. Why would you vote? They're not going to vote Labour because you presented the same things that the other party's doing, the party in power and that the party to... Those who support that thing seem to think they're doing pretty well. I've got li- liberal friends at work who says, "Oh, I think that the Tories have been good for the economy. You know, they've uh, they've steadied the ship through." A th- Name names. I'm not naming names. <laughs> I want names next time I come meet you, so I can attack them. I'm not naming names, Barrier. <laughs> um, That's why I'm going to start. I'm going to start doing that at the end of um, at the end of podcasts. Yeah. I'm just going to name names of specific asshole liberals I've met this week. <laughs> Give names, addresses. It's a class position. It's not a political. It's a political <laughs> position in the to the extent that it's a class class position. They're not affected by austerity, so no, no. they see it as they see it as just like numbers and stats. Well, no, I know that they're mechanical. Idiots. You know, yeah, I know yeah. that you know they're they're playing around with autism. Yeah, yeah, because they see every yeah they see everything in those terms. Um, Dan continues. It means a program that understands if Britain is not active in helping to shape the world beyond our shores. That world will come to shape us here, and not always in ways that we might welcome. Let's review the most recent record of the British state shaping the world. Iraq, Yemen, Libya. Uh. Well, if you define progress and development Mm. as in flatter, Mm. we've done very well. These places are significantly flatter than (laughs) before we went in. (laughs) I, for one, hate mountains. And buildings and weddings and hospitals, yeah, yep. schools, yeah. Yep. So yeah, so I, I think we've done very well. <laughs> There's just an implicit threat there as well, which is fucking appealing to the legitimate concerns crowd. Um, helping to shape the world beyond our shores, that world will come to shape us here. It's like, yeah. I, as if they're going to come over in droves and force us to do something. Well, I don't, you know, it's, it's that same fucking dog whistle, but couched in so much like ambiguity that, like, if you if you are trying to appeal to racists, you're not appealing to racists with that. No, because you need to be a bit more. <laughs> but it's um, oh, it's just 
it's so annoying because actually what they're appeal- what he's trying to appeal to yeah. with that kind of slight racism mm-hmm. is he's trying to appeal to liberals who are racist but don't talk about how racist they are. Yeah. So it's the like the kind of Tory end of of liberal liberalism. Yeah. The you know the, the Blairite voters. Yeah. Because I haven't met a Blairite voter that didn't have a, a bit of racist to them. Yeah. Might be the kind of Blairites I meet, but yeah, that's. <laughs> um, <laughs> the title of this next section is "A Civic Capitalism in the Public Interest." <laughs> it's not quite. Uh, you have nothing to lose but your but your chains, is it? <laughs> which side are you on? <coughs> which side are you on? I'm on the side of a civic capitalism. <laughs> In the public interest, with public capitalised. (laughs) If we are to move down this road in pursuit of a reunited and renewed country, the power of the state must be used more creatively and assertively to build a civic capitalism that serves the public interest. It is time to ask not what we can do for capitalism, but what capitalism can do for us. I mean, the slow suicide, I assume. Yeah. (laughs) That... Oh no, he's I think he's actually both. I think he's not a naive cunt or a manipulative arsehole. I think he's a bit of both. Mm. I think he's a retarded manipulative arsehole. <laughs> <laughs> to deliver a genuinely civic form of capitalism that serves the public interest, however, we must do far more. We must bury the myth that only the private sector creates wealth while the public sector spends it and breathe life into the idea of the entrepreneurial state. A state that invests in areas of potential growth and the development of intellectual property, but also shares in the rewards of that growth and intellectual property when it comes. So, like, presumably if he wants to cut the deficit and continue austerity, he will... Plough state funds into intellectual property, like for instance the land registry <laughs> or the Royal Mail, <laughs> and then when he wants a big windfall, he'll sell it for below the asking price. <laughs> Why is he? He's legislating for the state that he wants rather than the state that exists. Yeah, like that's not how relations between certain private and public work in this country, and haven't ever. Mm. He's resurrecting this he's resurrecting PFI yeah he's resurrecting PFI which well, was just don't have money ideas left. flushed down the down the hmm. the hole that down the hole that didn't generate any decent healthcare outcomes no and just left everyone with a load of debts it's fucking ridiculous again like if that's his idea if his idea is in, investing in intellectual property and then eventually selling it again why would i need him why if he's going to do exactly the same thing why do I need him and not the Tories? Yeah. If that's it's, what I think. It's a dumb position to have to... I think it's a... Especially, like, I can kind of understand the Blairite push in the 90s for, you know, that that might win. Yeah. But I don't think it can win anymore. There's a hardening of the lines. Yeah. There's a, a regenerated, a, re, a re-energised working class actually staking claims across the country yeah the middle class the old kind of lower middle and middle middle class that blair kind of tried to appeal to has shrunk because they've lost all their savings or they've they've um they're paying out more in mortgages they're not able to get their kids into a good school they're focused on that and they're shrinking people are falling back into the working class that they their maybe their parents climbed out of um during the kind of social democratic era yeah 
you know, all of their public services, which they still use, are fucking shrinking. And those lines are hardening. And his excuse is to say, actually, we need to resurrect the thing that has gone. There's no analysis of the situation. It's just like, no, everything's the same. Yeah. Everything's the same as 97. We just need to do it. Yeah. It's, that's not... There's, there's, you're not looking at what the, at the way the country is. You're not looking at no. the way the world is. Like, this next thing especially is like... Um, did, sorry, did you want to... No, it's... Um... There was a thing I was hearing on the radio this week. They were talking about how the generation who were... They were young under Blair, mm. but now they're adults. And before they could... They were able to get a house because of the bank of mum and dad. Yeah. But now their children need houses and now they're the bank of mum and dad. Mm. And they've realised that they've got no money. Mm. They can't afford to do it. And, well, they're all kind of pissed off. and seem to like, They're all angry that they've been sold a bill of goods that... Yeah. Um, and those kind of people, I don't think are going to be won over. Like that kind of middle ground that would have been the Tory target yeah. and a new Labour target. It was Cameron's target when he came in. Yeah. And, and it didn't Cameron, work for him because yeah, it's Cameron's coalition. Yeah. And like in the last one, it didn't even... What did he do? I don't know. He kind of roughly went over the went over the top, but he hasn't got a huge... Hmm. Uh, the Tories haven't got a huge majority. And with Brexit, I mean, fuck knows what... Yeah. What happens? How the lines are? How the lines of, or how the narrative is redrawn? Yeah. You know, because I mean, all of all of their speeches are sounding increasingly hollow. Yeah. I mean, to a certain extent, Theresa May does the same kind of thing while being much harsher in her actual policy making. Yeah. Her her rhetoric is still the same kind of like uh, working policies for working families or whatever shit they come up with. Yeah. And it's like everybody is a working family, and the difference is their outcome. Yeah, it's not like it's not like there are some people just coasting along, and there to be kind of picked off. Other than the actual ruling class, the actual investor class. Yeah, um, they're just yeah, they're just doing so again. Why would I need him? Why do I need him if he's not yeah. gonna if he's not gonna affect any radical change? Yeah, why would I need him? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, he continues to talk about um, public-private kind of partnerships and how we need everybody to do things. We need an industrial strategy that doesn't seek to pick individual corporate winners. I, I mean, it, it doesn't now. All the corporations are winners with whatever yeah. they do because they're entirely geared towards profit well, and winning. Well, they're backed up by us if they lose. Yeah. Um, doesn't seek to pick individual corporate winners, but sets ambitious public interest goals and catalyzes and, <laughs> and coordinates action to achieve them. If we are to decarbonise the economy, for example, as we must, this is going to need not just clear long-term carbon reduction targets, but required investments in the car industry, construction, energy generation and distribution technologies. <coughs> so, or go vegan. Sorry, that one. No, it does. It always annoys me. The yeah. carbon bullshit. Hey, perhaps we could drive a more efficient car. Yeah. Or, hey, perhaps, you know, you could stop eating those giant monsters that just cause nothing but pollution everywhere they go. <laughs> I'm not a vegan because I love animals. I'm a vegan because I know that the cow is the enemy. <laughs> um, yeah, it's... Like, his whole yeah, industrial... Exactly I'd, like to, I, I'd, I'd like to expand on a point I made last week, which is that seeking to combine trade unionism and different uh, kind of stakeholders in one industrial concern, all overlooked by the state is actually fascism. Yeah. That's fascist economic policy. That that's how they ran things because there's no opportunity of actually changing the balance. You keep the balance intact, but you 
allow a veneer of everyone being allowed to make a decision. Again, yeah. he has no an- analysis of where power lies. Yeah. He just has an analysis of where feels good. Yeah. It's a whole lot of feels and not a lot of actually doing anything different. Yeah. We don't... Well, th- well even after the... You know, there was... They never do anything different anyway. Mm. They've just been generally doing this same general push. Yeah. Oh, the fucking yeah. worst. More people need a chance to own their own home. Or own a small but growing share in their home. <laughs> Fuck off. It's such a great call to action. That's something to really inspire people. It's like, yes, he understands. Or maybe we should look at changing people's attitudes. A small but growing share in my home. Maybe we should move to people not being obsessed with owning their own home. Mm-hmm. We should make it safer for them to live in a rental property without being made homeless at a moment's notice. <laughs> or like um, well, like the French, the French, the Welsh... Um, government yeah with the getting rid of right to buy yeah that's a nice policy it's an appropriate uh, strategy to what is a fucking absolute catastrophe and current ongoing emergency yeah I could fill up London with council properties just by taking a load of Qatari properties and turning them into council places but like they manage that kind of stuff in Switzerland France Germany they yeah. have expanded tenant rights. Yeah. They have stronger protections for people. And they're not shitholes. And it's like, it's not, it's not, who are you going to lose mm. by, if he just, if he just said that, if he just said, um, these are the legal protections I would introduce. Doesn't even have to say exactly what they are. Just say, I would introduce legal protections. Yeah. I, I would, I would introduce, um. I worry about renters' rights. I worry about renters. I worry about, um, people who do own their own home, but like, uh, lose equity or whatever. And you can tell the bit that he wants. <coughs> the bit that he wants is not more people owning their own home. It's more people owning a share of their home. Yeah. Those kind of when you buy a small bit of it, which oh, it's just so... he's taking the pie and splitting it smaller, yeah. which is exactly what people don't need to hear right now. No. Aside from what's possible I'm not and what, get your, excited what your legislative agenda is, like it, that doesn't. He's not in power. No. The Labour Party is not in power, yeah. and he is not the leader. Well, it's like, um, just say it. Yeah. It doesn't even, it's like he's forgotten how to be a human being, how to get fucking excited <laughs> about things. I don't think, uh, no, I, don't think I mean, Jeremy them. Corbyn's not fucking good for that, but at no. least he has certain, he reaches vaguely in certain directions towards that about people actually getting excited. And it's not even necessarily because like, obviously we're left wing and it's not even about having that kind of down rope, but just anything that would yeah. help people. Yeah. You know? What's why so many people like us really liked um thingy, Bob Crow. Yeah. Because Bob Crow wanted more mm. more holiday leave. More wages. They talk less work hours. Because they talk a lot about like doing the impossible. Like they talk about in Davos. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, they talk about economic miracles and they talk about it's like you can do an economic miracle right now, but you have to go after two thousand of the richest people in Britain. Yeah. Not even he's it's probably not, not even, even that hard. many. Hard, not even that hard. It's probably not even that many. Yeah, you could start with one. It's one. Of, it's one of. The, it's one. <laughs> I of, could rally the whole country around one asshole. It's one of the things that really annoys me about like Jeremy, like um, people responded to Jeremy Corbyn, like saying he's um, he's far left. He needs to be like um, more compromising, and it's like motherfucker. Jeremy Corbyn is a compromised candidate. Yeah, he's the weakest possible yeah. left winger you could get to represent before he a left became leader of the Labour Party we joked about him yeah constantly with his Cuba solidarity garden parties he's an established like institution yeah. within the Labour Party like Ken Livingstone was 
Yeah, well, Kelly Luther was better, though. Yeah, he was at least more forthright. I mean, Jeremy Corbyn doesn't seem to hate enough. I mean, that might be a personal thing for me, but yeah. he doesn't have... He doesn't have the kind of energy, vigour, and yet hatred. Well, he's not very good at making a speech. It's like... I think he's agree. actually quite good at it. I think he's quite good at speeches. He just doesn't make them or they don't get covered. Well, you know. I've seen some of his speeches. I'd like... Like, I don't like anything that the man does. George Galloway. Yeah. He can yeah. give a speech. You know, he's standing in a Manchester Gorton, uh, the old seat that um, Gerard Kaufman... Died. Um, I haven't seen him for a while. That's nice to see him again. Um, <laughs> um, well, you know, I, I I like hearing he's gonna him speak. Pop up I and accuses, He's going to pop up and accuse his um his running. Is it the pe- the person who's running against a drinking cider? <laughs> God, I love that because he is a secret Muslim as well, and it's so stupid. He's repeatedly denied that he's Muslim. I know that's what makes he's married so to stupid. a Muslim. What he's got a, a Muslim wife and had yeah. an Islamic wedding ceremony. Yeah, and he stopped drinking. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's just a weird one with Galloway. But yeah, he's, he says too other many than things. His finger, other than his finger arm and yak at uh, Jeremy Corbyn's <laughs> Cuba Solidarity parties. But that's like once a year. That's like Christmas <laughs> for him. <laughs> but yeah, I'd like someone with a bit of hate, a bit of anger. But yeah, Dan Jarvis is not that, it seems. <laughs> Dan Jarvis is a man turned to a soft four. <laughs> um, he continues on the subject of education. Theresa May said recently that we have to do more to help the brightest amongst the poor and her strategy is to reintroduce grammar schools for a limited few. But she doesn't know how many of the brightest there are among the poor and her belief that they will be few in number is telling. So instead of a few more grammar school places, my proposal is this, that the next Labour government declares an excellent education is a right of citizenship, not not a privilege of wealth or birth. To make that right real, to make sure that all can contribute to our future national success and that the daughter of a cleaner in Barnsley can have the same life chances as the son of a banker in Belgravia, Labour should make the historic national commitment to deliver educational excellence everywhere in Britain within a decade. By so a public school? that whole long thing was his way of saying education should be good. <laughs> Fucking prick. It's like everybody knows that that's what they want. Yeah. That's what the Tories say that they're yeah, doing. Yeah, but he's not Where saying, like, unpicking... oh, I'm going to get rid of private schools. All private schools will be gone. I'm taking their money <laughs> and I'm re- 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 um, redistributing. No, reappropriating. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's an appropriate word. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just, it, it's just ed- education should be really good. Yeah. And I think it should be really good. It's like every, every government says that. Yeah. You're not the government. Well, you're not going to win so, an election based on... Do you know what I think? I think education should be shit. Fuck everyone. Tell me how the Tories are shit, yeah. or tell me how Labour are going to be good. Yeah. Depending on what particular tone you want to strike. Mm. Don't tell me that education is this neutral thing that should be good, but is kind of held back slightly. Yeah. You know, he doesn't unpick the idea of grammar schools. No. He just says that oh, well, they'll leave people aside. Not the fact that they'll actually not do anything for educational standards anyway. Well, it's that thing of grammar schools, in theory, sound good, but they really aren't. They they don't work. They don't... It's like they seem like they have good grades. Um, They seem like they have good results, but it's only because they're only cherry-picking the best of the area. Yeah. Oh, it's stupid. Um, Because of our concern... 
Because whether our concern is to help someone already in a job to get a better job, to tackle the productivity gap, to generate more innovation, to meet the automation challenge, or most importantly of all, to respond to the timeless desire of parents to give their child a better future, education is the key. Now, this might need a little bit of a glossary if you're not familiar with centrists. Tackle the productivity gap means make people work longer. More yep. innovation means automate as details. Yep. Automation challenge means automate as, as details. Yep. It's... They're not, people aren't fucking stupid. They've been around the 20 and 21st century long enough to know what these coded words mean. Yeah. You know, it's it's just really fucking cynical to kind of... Where was this article? Um, this was in the New Statesman. Of course it was. Of course it was. The, the Labour House rag. Uh, immigration enriches... Oh, uh, immigration enriches our cultural life helps to fill skills gaps and is important to the flow of creative ideas and entrepreneurship that drives economic success. But it has also changed some communities too quickly and concerns about it are real. Legitimate concerns. Fuck off. Real concerns. What happened to not pitting British-born residents against immigrants? What happened to all that? That was not three paragraphs ago? Yeah. And he's already doing it because Mm. he can't help himself. Mm. He has to pick out winners and losers. Despite their neutral, despite their neutral kind of tone, they always have to pick a target. Blair had to end up picking a target. He picked like um, yobs, yeah, like yobos, yeah, you know, and things like that. And benefit scroungers. How hard would it be to say? I know it seems scary that that shop has different writing on that you're used to, but you know what? Pierogies are pretty great. (laughs) Give them a try. (laughs) You liked curry. You'll love pierogies. <laughs> that would be my, my, my British immigration slogans. Stand up and salute a flag that just has a baked good on it. Yes. <laughs> the British love a baked good. We love samosas. We love bargies. We'll love pierogies if we give them a chance. We'll take it in and we will ruin any local cuisine you have. Any national cuisine We'll just you fill have. pierogies with We'll just fill it with cream and sugar. Actually, that sounds pretty good. That sounds pretty nice. <laughs> See, I'm already doing it. It's like an inbuilt instinct. <laughs> um, where are we going? Um, there is inconsistency in the way some on the left think about this issue. He's not on the left. <laughs> yeah, he's not saying he's on the left. Yeah. Um, it isn't my definition of internationalism to strip developing countries of brain power in order to make up for skill shortages mm. here and it shouldn't be Labour's approach to the fourth industrial revolution to tell millions of working people their jobs are going to be replaced by technology while simultaneously arguing high rates of immigration are inevitable indefinitely something that Labour has never argued Yeah. like never ever perhaps they were cynical in not saying that poorer countries would natu- would immigrate to Is richer Is he bitching, though, about the brain drain but- from poorer countries? So does he just want the best and brightest in Bulgaria to stay in Bulgaria? <laughs> I've um, heard that before. He moves on to... Uh, <laughs> healthcare, the NHS. It fell to a Labour government to build the NHS after the Second World War. Every Tory government has damaged it, but none dare abolish it. Let's talk about ISTCs. Um, independent sector treatment centres introduced by the Blair government in 2003 which allowed um, private companies to contract out elective procedures from the NHS Yeah, that was a, a Labour government that yeah. did that it wasn't just Tory governments who tried to wreck the NHS, yeah. it's been most Labour governments yeah. as well especially the Blair government yeah. the current predicament we're in with PFI hospitals and yeah. um, GP commissioning were either pioneered or floated during New Labour. Well, it's because so they wanted to increase funding into the NHS, but they didn't have the balls to start taxing people. Yeah, yeah. 
The whole country also knows that while Britain is too unequal, the Tories have been letting many of the richest in our society engage in tax avoidance, which is why I have previously called for exploration of wealth taxes, particularly those on unearned income. Exploration. 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 Not, there's been a thousand studies of it, and you can pinpoint them virtually by name and by face. Yeah. By now. It's like, you know. They put out the rich list. Yeah. (laughs) It's it's, um, it's going back to, it was a, a while ago now. But the Panama Papers. Yeah. Just have a look at some of them and take some of their money. It's not like hard. Emma Watson. But he says that, was, that pissed me off that Emma Watson. The Hermione did it. Well, yeah, but she, you know. You people understand you. Well, you know, she was the smartest one. She was just being canny about her investments. <laughs> she was always the smartest one, even Harry Potter. Whereas Ron, he pays bet, his taxes I bet, like I bet, a chump. I bet Ron pays the full forty percent. <laughs> um Yeah, exploration of wealth taxes. Like wealth isn't a, isn't like you can't see it. Yeah, you can't see it in the dripping fucking avarice every time you walk down Kensington. Well, we're just getting into the well, one of the worst times of the year to live in London. Yeah, um, when all the Saudi teenagers and young and like twenty somethings come over to play mm. and decide to drive absurdly fast over all those tiny London roads mm. and. In their disgusting gold-plated cars, and where I'll like, I'll probably see a couple of Bugattis, and want to key them. Just start <laughs> taking some of them, please. I, oh, it wouldn't take much to get me to vote for the Labour Party. Do it in Berlin because they did it in Berlin. There were a load of anarchists in Berlin who started um, targeting sports cars um, parked outside hotels and started burning them. <laughs> Which you know, at this point, doesn't seem like a bad idea. I mean, what else are we going to do? Well, you're off exploring unearned income. Yeah. Unearned income in a country which has an absurdly outdated aristocracy still left. Yeah. Well, who's the, the largest landowner in London? Yeah. It's the... I Duke of it. Westminster. Is it the Duke of Westminster? I think it is, yeah. Because he recently... The one who owns all the, like, Fitzrovia and all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, he recently... Because the old Duke he died. recently died and then his um, fucking idiot son uh, took it up, which yeah. I, I think he's a head fund manager, so, you know. Yeah. But yeah, so, you know, these people these... have an exploration of wealth and unearned income. There's a heraldry. Yes. <laughs> I can't just trace the person who has the unearned income now. I can trace exactly <laughs> where it came from, exactly which Saxon village was pillaged yeah. in order for his Norman forefather to live in a castle and drive a bejeweled Actually, horse. It shows up an ignorance of wealth and class and aristocracy. Mm. Like, as you see, it was, um, I think it was on. It was on Hard Talk or one of those BBC, on BBC 24 interview mm. things, where they were talking to Randolph Fiennes. <laughs> and they were saying, um, it's, it's like, um, that originally his family were French <laughs> because they came over with William the Conqueror. It's, yeah, they're not and um, they said, so, no, so they said, like, what well, I said, they said, like, oh, so do you consider yourself French or British? <laughs> and he said, my family have a castle. <laughs> you don't have to. Do that much exploration to see yeah. where the wealth is. You study the Normans in school, you know. Yeah. It's it... yeah. The names still seem pretty familiar. Yeah. Um... <laughs> what I'm saying is a tax of ten percent of everything that anyone with a soft consonant in their name. <laughs> yeah, I've written down here. You catch more flies with gulags than honey, Dan. I thought that was particularly funny. Honey, Dan. Honey, Dan. Oh, I see. Um... I'm a terrible audience. <laughs> you're not. You're lovely. <laughs> um, 
And it's not just that trust in politics and politicians is declining, but that illiberal powers and populist movements are the ones benefiting. Because they're popular. Yeah. It's in the name, Dan. <laughs> um, no path to a, sclo- a stable global nuclear order without multilateral efforts at arms control, disarmament, and a strengthened non-proliferation regime, and no fallback to the Brexiteers' dream of WTO rules if the WTO itself does not exist. don't really understand what that means. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a... Oh. Uh, a, commi- <laughs> a commitment to internationalism is not a liberal nicety, but a strategic necessity, because no state, not even Donald Trump's America, can solve all the problems and challenges it faces by acting alone. See, he thinks that by mentioning Donald Trump like that, he can like get off the hook and galvanise some liberals, because yeah. it's like, oh, Donald Trump, I hate that guy. And yeah. he mentioned it, him as being shit as well. Yeah, It's fucking terrible. And if he wants to control arms, he could probably start with the 16 private military companies stationed around Hereford, or BAE <laughs> Systems. <laughs> Again, yeah. not hard to find. No. Well, no, like, we grew up next to... Was it a BAE place? Lockheed Martin? Oh. Um, there was one that was one by our Toys R Us where we, were, where we grew up. Yeah, because I imagine, because there was, um, what do you call um Brompton Barracks. Yeah, there. but there was a big... That's going to annoy me now. I know, like, one of my mates is just going to message us furiously when he hears yep. us that we can't remember. But yeah, um, they're not hard to find. Yeah, they're not hard to find. And I'll I'll wrap this up because obviously this has gone on for ages, but we have a responsibility to confront people honestly with the scale of what lies ahead. But in doing so, we should remember this. The morale of a people is not insignificant to its fortunes. Labour's job is to rally and harness that morale. No, Dan. Labour's job is to get people to vote for them and get into power and govern. Like, that's the centrist, that's the set, that's, yeah, that's that's what all the centrists say to Jeremy Corbyn. It's yeah. like, your job is to get into government. Yeah. And he's like, like, morale isn't going to be rallied by own a small but growing share of your home. Yes. All this hedging of your bets in, the, in, in case you might offend probably 5% of the population at most. Yeah. Is fucking ridiculous. Yeah, but that 5% give him <sighs> a lot of funding. Actually, they don't even give the Labour Party any funding. Because he's just saying yeah. the stuff that the Tories say to yeah. get that funding. They're not, he's not going to get them to jump ship. Yeah. Um, it just reminded me of there was, some, there was something where there was an interview with uh, Owen Smith um, when he was running for Labour leader against Bad. Corbyn. Um, where Smith stands out is this determination to be specific and practical. He is settling him, he's selling himself as the Corbyn who actually gets things done. About, about Asked about what he would replace zero hours contracts with, he responded, well, it could be one hour, but it can't be zero. Oh, so they could be like my mum on a seven hour contract. <laughs> Dan finishes, if we in the Labour Party can find the unity of purpose and direction of travel needed, the path back to power may not be as long as we sometimes fear. All I've got to say to that, Dan, is I'll see you in 2025. (laughs) Oh, I can just see him now. Prime Minister Dan Jarvis shaking hands with President Chelsea Clinton. Yeah, anyway... Yeah, what else happened this week? I don't know what else could have possibly what happened this week. What else happened this week? Oh, yeah, there was a big terror attack in Westminster. There was a bloke from Kent, angry at London, which is every bloke from Kent I know. I resent the implication of this, oh, he was a 52-year-old man from Kent. He was from Erith. <laughs> okay, that's very different. Might as well be from Bromley. You can call it Kent all you want. It's not racist when you get that specific, is it? <laughs> it's got that round circle on the bus stops. It's London. <laughs> but yeah, um, it was very strange. I was actually in... Um, was weird. I was in um, like a work in central London and uh, didn't it didn't 
cause any kind of consternation. There was like a basic kind of like text messages from people saying, "Are you okay?" And it's like, well, yeah, it was. A, I didn't it, was a, it was a car. Well, yeah, no one cares. <laughs> no one cares. But um, you were actually the target. I think was Um But yeah, it was. It was a weird one. It was a very light one. It's like it's weird to say. Like it was a very light. It was a very poor terror attack. It was. It was a bit of a strange one because like. Yeah, the, the the actual day of the attack, it, or the, the tube, was a lot more kind of... People were slightly nicer than they usually are. They didn't just barge their way on there. It was mostly commuter traffic anyway, so they mm. know the rules of, yeah. of commuting and everything, of getting on and off the tube. But everyone was, like, a little bit nicer and a little bit more hushed. But the following day, the following morning, it was exactly it, back to exactly the same. And that kind of translates to kind of the the rest of the experience of it, because obviously it's, you know, it's terrible terrible event people died and there was real human you know real suffering yeah but it felt like all of this had been worked out before it happened it was just like a lot of the media and a lot of the kind of responses to it were just kind of well okay what do we what do we do okay we get pictures of uh, has anybody got any pictures of the of the body of the uh, the guy who was yeah. uh, of the guys of the perpetrator. Oh, okay. What color is he? It's like, oh, he's brown. All oh, right. So Islamism then. Yeah. And it's you know, is he white? Oh no. Okay, he's brown. Yeah, fine. Yeah. You know, is it far right or is it Islamist terrorism? Um, I did and like. Yeah. That's yeah. Right. It was a weird. It was weird the coverage. Um, I like the way that America covered it because they completely, pretty much ignored the neo-Nazi who killed that black guy in New York. Did you oh see yeah, that? I saw that. Yeah, the um, yeah. the dapper dressed gentleman. Yeah, who said he'd come to New York City to kill black people. Yeah, well, he said, he was he said ang- he'd come to come to New York City to kill everyone because he was angry about race mixing and then took a sword and stabbed a sixty year old black man in the in a park. Yeah, and it's, it's charmer. Yeah, but um, yeah, so you know, with American American press obviously covered that very little, yeah. but they did have Katie Hopkins talk about how everyone in London is cowed. I don't know how she would know, seeing as she only comes into London once a week to do her LBC show. Other than that, she just lives, I don't know, somewhere, in, I think she lives in Kent or in, probably in the South Coast somewhere. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the cover. it's just weird. I, I hate the, oh, we're so strong, we prevail, and the proper, like, there was the, there slapping was the each tube. other on the back there because was like you're the, so brave. Yeah, there was the, like... The kind of it's it's even got more half-hearted in the last ten years. Like there's this script that you follow of yeah. like, okay, now I have to tweet about how everyone's not scared, and that there was the stupid fucking tweet where it's like, oh, here's a message to terrorists. Um, London can take. I'm paraphrasing, but London can take it. We'll just like have it and have a jolly nice cup of tea, and it's like. It's this, it's this pre-rehearsed weird thing. And it, the news media gets in on it as well because it's like they're grasping for any kind well, of... Well, they're desperate 24 any kind of, streaming news for yeah, something like this. Any kind of details. And the only, the, the only rupture, and it shouldn't be a rupture by now, but it kind of is, is Tommy Robinson naturally oh. being bust in from whatever oh, yeah, fucking... Oh, I can't remember his name. The shit bloke, pile he's in. The bloke who brought him in. I'm going to have to try and find his name for another show because this I was reading up about the bloke who brought Tommy Robinson there mm. because he seems quite interesting he's Bosch um, has a I think he has like a web TV channel yeah called so like Rebel TV or some bullshit a, like that oh yeah I've, yeah and I think I've like talking, that. that's and like, like Prison has, Planet and Infowars yeah. kind of tied in with all that alt-right stuff and um, he had like his life 
thing and like how he like oh the reason why he does this stuff is because when he was at film school they wouldn't let him make his radical films about Muslims <laughs> and so he's like oh fuck you liberals I'm gonna go write my proper my um my magnum opus my protocols of the elders of Islam <laughs> um, but yeah he seems like quite an interesting guy but then you know dragging Tommy Robinson down to say like oh this is what happens with you know Muslims yeah. and it's like why are we bringing Tommy Robinson now I thought he was gone like the last I heard like he'd, he'd like signed up with Quilliam because they're dumbasses and believed him <laughs> and then he'd like was like oh no I'm a racist again but yeah. I thought he was like going to be like hanging out with those German racists I was glad <laughs> I was hoping he'd emigrated <laughs> well Nick Griffin emigrated did he yeah he's to... emigrating to Hungary because of uh, Victor Orban a man who truly understands is how to police borders. Hungary, the one with the list of lists prominent of Jews. Jews yeah. yes. <laughs> Nick Griffin helping him down with his list of prominent Jews, just in case. Just in ca- I just think it's, uh, you know, it's worth having it in there. Uh, well, yeah. It's, it's better to have it and not need it than need it and not have it. Yeah, because, you know? well, well, what are you going to do if Bernie took power in America and you need to cut, start cutting off heads of the Hydra? If you don't have the list... <laughs> such an idiot. Um... But yeah, it was a weird thing. Is I think a lot of the reason why the response was so kind of weak and vapid was because it was such a weak and vapid terror attack. Yeah. Like, you could tell the 24-hour streaming news channels were kind of disappointed that it was over within, like, 90 seconds. Yeah. Because, like, oh, it's like, oh, in Paris, it went on for ages. Yeah. They got some good content they got that. They got double figures. Yeah. Which is gross. Yeah. <laughs> but they but it gave, was, it gave the journalists time that, to they do. Did that, they did that beautiful thing of um, desperately grasping around for any... Um, any little tidbit and watching it the news as it came in it was like we believe we believe that it's uh, Abu Izzadeen he has been on the uh, MI5's watch list terror watch list for many years and uh, it turned out he was already in prison he had been in prison for two years (laughs) yeah it's because they're just desperate for anything they're all desperate to be the first person to say it and like it was Channel 4 who said it was him, wasn't it? I think they were the first. Yeah, yeah. and I'm sure I read something that it was like, uh, they didn't verify it because it came from quite high up who it mm. was. And then like Channel 4 was like, well, they do look the same. <laughs> really? Yeah. Christ. Um, but, uh, so it's it's a wibble ball, so there's that the back slapping of like, oh, and we went to work the next day, like nothing happened. It's like, well, no, you went to work the next day because you didn't have the day off and you would have been sacked. Yeah. And you, you know, you wouldn't have been able to pay your mortgage or your rent, and then you'd be kicked out, it's, it's, and then you'd be dead on the streets. It's it's just a kind of really strange occurrence that as the terror attacks have gotten weaker, there's no attempt to kind of... There has been kind of an attempt to pin a narrative on it of like, well, he had, you know, contact with ISIS, and ISIS claimed it because ISIS claimed everything. Well, yeah. ISIS claimed when I, you know, banged my head on a cupboard last week. Yeah. Um, it was them. I talked to them at the meeting. <laughs> you had them on WhatsApp. I've been, yeah, I was, I was talking to them on WhatsApp, and over the last... Like six or seven months, I've been just yeah. lowering some of your cabinets and moving them ever so slightly. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it's weird that the only kind of real thing about what happened was the people who died, the actual injuries and everything. Everything else just went on as normal. There's no possible way that anything, even if more people had died, yeah. there's no way that anything in that part of London would have been disrupted by it. Not because yeah. of some kind of like positive characteristic of people in London no. but just because there's an inexorable logic to how that part of the world works yeah. and it doesn't stop for anything no you know it's going to maybe stop when the Queen dies well that's only because and that's only good... because it's going to be forced well yeah it's been planned and everyone likes a day off 
But it will take a lot to make a boss give you the day off. Yeah. But who's going to be the first employer to say, no, I don't care about the Queen? <laughs> Me. I'll let you have the day off. Of podcasting. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just it's a very yeah very weak kind of. Yeah. Yeah. It's just it's a, it was a weird one. Yeah, they start you know claiming oh this was a an attack on democracy this was an yeah. attack on human rights and it's like well, do you know what attack an attack on human rights is? Theresa May saying she's going to get rid of human rights. Yeah. Um, from law. I saw that tweet with the. It's like a sunset over the House of Parliament. It was like, they hate they hate us because they fear us. Yeah. It's like, well, they kind of fear bombs being dropped by the Saudis that we've sold them. Um, <laughs> People from Afghanistan, Libya, Syria, <laughs> Tunisia, Yemen but, do have reason to fear us. This yeah. guy wasn't from there. No. Also. Was, it's like, and his life just seems so grim. Like, yeah. the first time he went to prison was that knife attack in a pub. Yeah. Which, by all accounts... A bloke was being racist to him, and then he lost his shit, and yeah. then went to prison, mm. and then got out, and then there was another racist incident, and he was violent again, and went back to prison, yeah. and then he got in with. Um, well, no, because we still don't. We, I mean, we. He has been um, like he was um, a convert to yeah. Islam, but we haven't had any kind of direct confirmation of his exact kind of ties, his exact no. kind of reasons, or anything like that. We're still just supposing, even kind of a week yeah. or so afterwards. Well, they were still saying, like, just you know, he supposing. was radicalised in prison. So he went to prison, and then Jafar from Aladdin went Sim Salabim, Sim Salabim. <laughs> Boom! And then gave him a phone that's got WhatsApp on it. You could tell because there was a small red parrot with the voice of Gilbert Gottfried yep. flying away after, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, it's, it's one of... I'm probably not going to ever find out. Because yeah. they probably just won't bother. Well, they'll they'll make allusions like, yeah. for, like, for instance, well, we understand he sent a message from his WhatsApp. Yeah. Which... The only after all of this kind of supposing, the only thing we have left is like his name and his skin color. Yeah, you know um, it's very strange. Yeah, not very not very strange. Very routine, routinely strange. Yeah, you know? and yeah, I just oh, it's a because there was a lot of the keep calm, carry on bollocks. Yeah, again, which, people people running for yeah, a pre-rehearsed thing. But that would always really annoys know? me because it's like. You're quite an advertising slogan, you fucking mm-hmm. assholes. But yeah, yeah so the, and then the response to it all is the thing that makes me more annoyed. Like with most of these things, mm. and the what's what's her name, Amber Rudd. Yes, yeah. Um, notable mainly for noted mainly for being aristocracy coordinator on four weddings at a funeral. <laughs> um, that's her main qualification. In my head, she's. <laughs> posh person wrangler and with that knowledge she went wading into an internet thing and <laughs> fell on her face like an idiot because she's an idiot they're probably going to try and do it well again the, the, the response the response is like so weak yeah because there's nothing else they can do they're monitoring everybody there are cctv cameras everywhere there are armed coppers everywhere in there'll central be more, london there'll be more guns around westminster i bet you there'll be more guns and there'll be more ballads yeah there will be. The, I'm like, surprised there weren't bollards on. I, I'd forgotten because I don't go across Westminster Bridge that mm. much anymore. But I'm surprised that there aren't bollards. It's a really open plan bridge, isn't it? It's just like yeah. a flat surface with a. Yeah, but normally, like, um, like you go around um, Whitehall and yeah. stuff, and I like I was wandering around there waiting for Holly because she was meeting some doctor, I think. But anyway, I was wandering around Whitehall. And yeah. It felt fucking horrible because there's guns. There's 
bollards everywhere. The ones that are designed so you can't like drive a lorry into a yeah, building. Yeah. The American like... Embassy has that as well. Oh, yeah, the embassies very... have those huge concrete blocks outside yeah. so that you physically can't drive a, drive yeah, a car. But, um, Parliament doesn't really have the, like, the closest bit, which mm. is a bit... Which is, I just thought it was a bit weird. It's a bra- it, like, I could see them putting the bollards up probably within a month yeah. of now. Um, but yeah, they'll have guns. They'll have forward-facing no, coppers I mean, with like, guns at the, at the gates. The, the, the weird thing about kind of the days and weeks afterwards, and I mean, Amber Rudd mentioned this in her um, interview with Andrew Marr um, on Sunday, where she yeah. made the, uh, the all the stupid internet comments. Um, there was no ramping up of rhetoric around it. And some people took this as like a a kind of positive sign. It's like, oh, well, they're not going to, you know, start um, clamping down at airports again. They're not going to, um, you know... They're not going to take any more measures because they literally can't. Yeah. Because the 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 thing that and like Mar focused on the most was, do you think prevent should be ramp, should be actually cut back, because it's clearly not working. Yeah. The prevent strategy to to kind of go into Muslim communities and kind of seek out radicalization, whatever that means. But that's the thing. I don't think they know what it means, and yeah. they say it because it appeals, and it's the the main kind of thing that I want to talk about especially with like the Amber Rudd thing, it's like the whole security theatre bullshit. Yeah. And instead of the thing that would have saved more lives, mm. actually would have just been cheap bollards up. Yeah. But that isn't a thing that you can have a big press release about. Yeah. So what you do is you say, well, we're going to make it so WhatsApp have to give us all the information, which won't work because that isn't how messaging works. <laughs> and it wouldn't have made any difference because what he sent a message. What it was two minutes after he uh, two minutes after two minutes after two minutes before he um, how drove efficient the car. how efficient does Amber Rudd think the government is? Yeah. yeah, she's in there. She should know it's not very efficient. <laughs> she knows that it's just full of the people that she was paid to wrangle. It's because it's not a functional problem. It's a, a I don't want to say uh, it's like a, a, a global problem. Mm. It's a kind of it's a problem of international relations, which from Tony Blair onwards, they've never properly dealt mm. with the relations, the relations that people have, that the government has with kind of Muslim populations in Britain, treating them kind of, there's a kind of half-hearted kind of, um, sometimes we punish you, sometimes we bring you up as like a kind of token good Muslim. Yeah. And they've never treated them like normal populations, domestically, and then um, abroad, Yeah, just... they bomb weddings. Yeah. They know they're being... Sh- I think I think Abra knows... Like, the people advising her know that the WhatsApp thing doesn't work. And it's not going to make any difference mm. because then they'll just use a different one. And that's what the more competent people do anyway. Yeah. And But the whole point is to make your 50-year-old Tory voter who feels scared now living in Derby yeah. about what happened in London... It makes them feel more secure. Like yeah. this thing that they've never heard of before, because they probably haven't heard of WhatsApp, is going to actually be forced to deal with the government when before they were, you know, working against the government. <laughs> and it means nothing. It's it's the same as the having the security, having the um, the police with the machine guns um, at some of the tr- uh, like some of the bits of around London. Yeah, that's, that's you're not going to have. They, they never fire them. They're yeah. never going to have to fire them. It doesn't scare people off. I did. A, there was a when I was looking stuff up for this um, this podcast because we knew we were going to have to kind of deal with the response and yeah. deal with what they do. Um, the National Guard was called out to guard airports after nine eleven and were given blanks 
because it wasn't about actually stopping something. It no. was just making people feel more secure. Well, yeah, that's the whole point of security here, is yeah. to pretend. But it's so annoying because some of the stuff, like when you go through an airport, yeah, most of that is just plain fear. Hmm. Like the scanning, the taking your shoes off, all that kind of crap. Yeah. Um, because also, I'd like to think that they, they've got a, well, they've got access to all our information. Yeah. Surely they should have a more of awareness than catch them literally as they're walking through customs with a gun. Yeah. But, yeah. It's, uh, the ways that you can actively harm people. Remember, this is not even, like, people were kind of, because Martin uh, McGuinness died um, last yeah. week as well, people are kind of trying to draw um, comparisons. Yeah. And there's a there was one meme I saw going around Facebook quite a lot. Facebook's kind of the... Unto Twitter. Yes. It hasn't sharpened its memes to <laughs> to perfection like Twitter has. Yeah. Um, but uh, showing a picture of Bishopsgate after it was blown up by an IRA bomb and showing, oh, see this, this happened to London in the 1990s and we didn't go rounding up Catholics. And it's like, you kind of did. Yeah. The Birmingham Six. Yeah. We're not guilty. You just went around and rounded up the first Irish people with long hair that you could find. Oh. It's... It's not the it's not the same same kind of thing. I mean, there's no. a, there's a good point that this kind of attack from the other side, it's not designed to do anything. It's designed to be kind of a yell into into the void hmm. because it's not to accomplish anything. Because I can think of many fucking ways of if you were of if you were um, trying to I mean, what are ISIS trying to do? Defeat the West, carve out a caliphate, yeah. get the West. To, I suppose like get the West to stop bombing them. Yeah. So that they can set up a caliphate and expand territory against other Muslims who they deem subhuman. Yeah. I guess, right? There are plenty of actual ways of doing that. And because these and the reason why they don't do it is because these people aren't interested in that. No. They have like a different kind of mindset of just causing pain mm. because they're usually mentally ill. The way you actually the way you actually um if you were in that way inclined, the way you affect actual political change is to do what Eddie Mayer did, which mm. is stab an MP while they're going around their constituency. Yeah, which was really noticeable by You're its absence. White people in, are more competent in, terrorists. In, well, <laughs> not really, because no, that is, no. <laughs> because it wasn't followed up by a. Corner. But then, yeah, that was not really because that's that got. Like, um, even when they were talking about, like, this is the first terror attack that's happened. Oh, on that Bruce drove soil. me insane. It's like, you've completely forgotten about yeah. Cox because it wasn't, it didn't fit nicely because into a Because it didn't fit Muslim into narrative. a particular narrative. And you were thinking, and, like, I can't, we talked about this last week when they gave that, when we read out that puff piece about Marine Le Pen. There seems to be this thing where, I used to think it was just kind of unconscious kind of sensationalism, hmm. but it seems like they are actually just trying to hedge their bets and get those people on side. So they won't report someone like Eddie Mayer that harshly because yeah. he says things very similar to things that Katie Hopkins said yeah. or the Mail say. Yeah. There's not a great deal of difference other than the fact that um, he wears like a fucking swastika armband. Yeah. You know? Yeah. The difference, the, the complete ignoring it made me a bit angry. The complete like well with this didn't happen now so like I'm wondering like give it another couple of years and Joe Cox was never killed yeah. by um, by someone who was politically motivated it would just be he was a crazy oh no well they they, they tried to do that because um well, there well, was got, that there get, was that male he, headline that says um was Joe uh, what was it did Joe Cox killer was Joe Cox killer driven by um 
the repossession of his mother's council. Class. Oh yeah, they did. They tried to push that bullshit, but that, the trying judge... to push that kind of like yeah. white working class versus yeah. the other working class, yeah. the but non-white working class. But the judge, narrative. but the judge did say it was terrorism. Yeah. That's what I mean. And it's like it's going to be completely oh, yeah, yeah, ignored, yeah. and it's going to be completely rewritten in history now, and it's just going to be a bit ugh. Um, and then they'll just and like already, like we're less than a week since. Um, I've forgotten his name. The bloke who drove along Westminster Bridge. Um, but we're a couple, We're less than a week since that. Yeah. Since um, the Westminster attack, and Marine today got told he's going to be out within two weeks. Yeah. And they... Can you not see a little connection? Yeah. Can they not? And they won't draw those connections It's a, between a man being lauded by the press and he was being lauded. There was being fate. There were celebrations yeah. outside He's a there. hero. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's, it is an extension of like um, white privilege. You're given... Yeah. It's like it's, uh, it's the equivalent of like a bunch of... A load of... Um, white kids in a car smoking weed and a load of black kids in a car smoking weed doing exactly the same thing yeah. writ large it's a it's an extension of benefit of the doubt yeah um, he clearly had good he, although he did a bad thing he clearly had good intentions mm. that mm. thing the thing that got me his wife was oh god she was talking about how anyone who knows him knows that he would never hurt a fly he wouldn't kill anyone he so was a soldier. What are you doing in the military? He's <laughs> incapable of killing. It's like, oh, he's so gentle. Really? <laughs> Shuffle off this mortal coil, you cunt. Oh, he's such a romantic. <laughs> oh, just, yeah. The But yeah, the, the response to it is just going to be, they'll be, they'll have more security cameras outside Parliament. They'll, they'll probably pu- push the cordon out a bit further. Mm. Um, I mean, in, in a in a kind of in a large sense, I suppose they'll bundle it up with the attacks in in Nice and oh, they already are in Paris and They're already saying and again kind of they, despite being close and despite having the same kind of uh, method of operation, yeah. they're actually driven by different dynamics. I mean, a, a kind of Muslim convert uh, uh, was he Afro Caribbean? I, oh, I don't know. He was mixed race. He was mixed race. Um, Mixed race from Dartford, I think. Yeah, which is a different kind of dynamic to um, the an Algerian the way that the state treat the French state treats Muslims. Yeah, yeah, you know, the, 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 yeah the they way have the f- a different colonial history, and they are different things. Despite the fact that they've been focused in the same way, they are they are different things. But yeah. it will get bundled up with that. It will get bundled up as the same thing because it's useful in order to wage the war that certain parts of the national security state wants to wage it. Mm. And it was a weird just because, like, it's like not to like grade good, like, what say good, competent terrorists and incompetent terrorists, but on the four lion scale, this guy was way further along the four lion scale than the French ones, yeah, because the French ones they had their targets, they were going to attack, um, middle class, um, the middle class elites in Paris, yeah. Um, and they attacked some. Did they? They attacked some Jews, or did it was like on the run? There when was. On, there was. Yeah, an but when they were on the skate, they went into. Um, when there was some driving away, they saw like a Jewish supermarket and were like, "Let's go into yeah, there." Yeah. Which I think either they planned it or it does seem like lucky happenstance for them. <laughs> but um, this bloke, it was. What was he doing? Was he trying to get into Parliament? Um, like the timing seemed quite weird because, like, I think there because he was shot by. Uh, parliamentary guard um apparently the defense because there was a vote on um, yeah. michael fallon the defense secretary 
was uh, in for the vote and yeah. he travels with armed yeah. police. So that's one of the reasons why there were slightly more armed police yeah. outside there than there are normally. But, like, he was... Like, if there's any, ever any proof that he was mad, first off, driving all up on the pavement, <laughs> signalling that he's coming, yeah. and then, what, stabbing and then trying to just run in. Is it sloppy adherence to the highway code should have been a warning <laughs> sign, you're saying? Yeah. A red flag. Yeah, what, what I'm saying is... It, it, it was, he was literally just a madman. Yeah. Who was, he's no different to Thomas Nair. Is it Nair? Thomas Mayer. Mayer. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, he was a madman who was then, you know, if pushed there is, in a certain if there is, direction if there is by a, the cultural influences that he was likely yeah, to be if there is by. a political He was element. not going to join a neo-Nazi group, was he? Yeah, if there is a political element to it, then it's one of yelling into a void. Yeah. Because that's, all, that's what a lot of those attacks end up being. They're kind of youngish, middle-aged men who don't have that other thing and are convinced, either convinced or convinced themselves mm. that this is going to make some massive difference. Mm. You know? But and all it ever achieves is we get a bit more of a police state. Yeah. And it's already the thing is I don't know how much more they can push it. Well, that's, that's, because that's London what is, I was saying. Central like, London it's... is pretty bad and especially around there, it's just fucking horrible. Yeah. There's nowhere to drink. There's, There's no shelter. To... There's no places to actually live. You're only yeah. kind of on your way from one thing to the other. They're, they're almost transit zones. They're just stripped bare of yeah. any kind well, of when we, um, living. Other than maybe the peanut stands. When we were... Um, I don't know why we wanted to do it. We didn't want to drink around Soho after you'd finished work. So we started walking just generally towards Whitehall to see if there was anything around there. Yeah. And it's just not. No. It's, it's been just, it's been it's been entirely stripped out. Yeah, you know, it's it's a it's almost like a ceremonial yeah. so they can, kind of area now. They can please state that area up Westminster some more Abbey if they and, want. Yeah, but it's like oh, it's just yeah they're gonna they're gonna read more of my messages, <laughs> and I could give you some excerpts. It's all delightful. It's mainly talking about wrestling, or <laughs> wrestling. Yeah, that's mainly it. <laughs> But yeah, they'll, they'll probably yeah. like read something into it. But you know, wrestling is code for caliphate. <laughs> <laughs> well, ring squared circle <laughs> is uh, is code for the Kaaba in uh, the middle of Mecca. But yeah, so the media are all kind of on side, especially the right wing media, with the opening WhatsApp up to be easily accessible. Mm. And you can either look at it as either they're the kind of apparatchik, the mouthpiece of. The government and the right wing, the right wing parts of the government, really saying like we'd really like to look at these people's emails, and look at their WhatsApp stuff and their the pictures they're posting on Bebo, and all this stuff, whatever they're posting on I don't know Guy Online, um, <laughs> and you could look at it as either they're just doing what they're told, or you could be more cynical and yeah, they just wanna they just want an easier way to get celebrity news stories, <laughs> or to hack the phones of the recently deceased. Um, but all the experts say that it's bullshit, it doesn't work. The kind of, if you leave a backdoor into something that's encrypted, it's not really like having a secret special key, it's having a completely locked room and then just putting a door in it. Yeah. And other people will find it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the people who actually know stuff say that. And then you have other experts. <laughs> the kind of experts like the person that I want to talk about as we go into the end, Louise Mensch. Formerly Louise Bagshaw, <laughs> the worst, and also she was just a shit MP because she didn't last long. No, looking it up, it was only she was only elected in um, two thousand and ten, I think. Yeah. And she was quit by two thousand twelve. Yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah. I always think of, just before you um, start, I've always thought, like, my personal impression of Louise Mensch, I'm always really jealous of kind of American political commentators because they have so many oafs. Oh, yeah, they do. They have so many great, weird, fucking perverted, degenerate characters to make fun of. And yeah. we do have those over here. You've got Nigel, your Nigel Farage's, your your kind of uh, t- Tommy Robinson to a certain extent, although he's not that. He's not really that. Funny. Yeah, but he's not just funny. He's not funny. <laughs> he's not particularly funny. They're all very straight now because they're all scared of turning into an oaf. Yeah. But Louise Mensch, I can say without a doubt, is Britain's premier oaf export. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. I don't know if she's our premier. What we sent away, Piers Morgan. Well, yeah, he's, back he, now. he's not an oaf, he's a cunt. And we sent off Milo as well. Yeah, again, Milo's and, kind of, I don't know. And as we go into her, yeah. she loved Milo. <laughs> they were really good friends. <laughs> and she's one of those ones, one of those people that supported him. As like, yeah, you're right about women. You're right about black people. You're right about trans people. What do you mean you want to fuck kids? No, that's going across the line. Which, yeah, she's a fucking imbecile. And she is a full-on oaf. She's a proper moron. Like, yeah. I, there's, I, no, there's, there's, there's no... There's not as many people now with kind of rigid PR. There's not as many people who bumble into as many stupid situations as she yeah. does. Well, okay. So before she was an MP, she used to write. Yeah. And I say write. You can't... You can't hear, but I'm really doing the quotation marks, the air quotes around the right. She physically wrote, but whether what she produced after scribbling or <laughs> tapping away at a computer what could be called writing is think, up for debate. I think mainly she was writing in the same way. You know, the, I think it's Little Britain, the sketch with the romantic novelist leaning oh, on the, a shay long like Barbara Cartland character. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> yeah. kind of what she's like. Um, and in a later episode, I'm trying to find a specific book of hers to do an entire book report on. I so want to do that. Yeah. I so want to read. Maybe we'll do it as a bonus episode. I so want to read Louise Mench's romantic literature. Well, the thing is, I don't think I could bring myself to read it. I think I'll buy it and then I'll give it to my daughter and tell her to read it (laughs) and to tell me whenever anything sounds dumb. But um, with her books, I'm just going to read you some blurbs. Oh, fantastic. Okay. So, Beauty is the title of this book. Blend it, sculpt it, shape it, use it. There isn't a woman on earth who doesn't have her beauty secrets, but for Dinah Kane, beauty is more than just business, it's power, and it is the secret. She's dragged herself up from poverty to Park Avenue, she's rolled with the punches, and she's learned how to win. Now someone is out to destroy her and all she's built. They've underestimated Dinah Kane. She's staying at the top, and she's happy to wait for the perfect moment to exact her revenge. (laughs) First off... Diana Kane. Dinah. Dinah Kane. Dinah or Dina. It's like every kind of 90s anti-hero had Kane somewhere in their name. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah, they were all just taking off the greatest anti-hero, the big red machine Kane. Um, Or Kane from Red Alert, the second biggest anti-hero. Was he an (laughs) anti-hero? He was my (laughs) anti-hero. My anti-hero in Red Alert was Hitler. (laughs) Um, Didn't last very long, did it? (laughs) No, he did not. Um, Okay, on to the next blurb. <laughs> and see if you can sh- notice anything familiar and similar about all of these. Okay, career girls. Blonde, beautiful, upper-class Rowena Gordon. It's a perfect <laughs> English rose. 
Topaz Rossi is a feisty <laughs> Italian American. Topaz Rossi. Yes. <laughs> a fiery, a feisty Italian American redhead from Brooklyn. All those <laughs> Italian American redheads, I remember them all. Yeah. I'm walking here. Um, both of the. Let me get a slice. <laughs> she said, the- <laughs> tossing her Italian red hair. Well, they got the red hair when um, when the Moors. <laughs> came up into Naples <laughs> both are determined and talented and there's nothing they wouldn't do for each other until Rowena hooks up with Topaz's boyfriend oh now, shit yeah now years later they are star career girls at the top of their game Topaz in journalism Rowena in the music industry <laughs> what job no just the music industry when their paths cross again, Topaz is not about to just forgive and forget. She'll do everything in her power to shatter Rowena's success. And Rowena will do anything to stop her. Okay, now the important thing is here. Louise Mensch, she did work in the music industry. She was sacked from EMI yes, for, yeah. I think it was a mixture of inappropriate dress, not turning up to work, and taking too many drugs. Yeah, because that Which was just the seems thing, like, wasn't it? She yeah. took a load of... She did, um, she did she say did... that she took so many hard drugs when she was younger, her brain doesn't work right now. So, you know, surely that means... So, we shouldn't be listening to you then, yeah? <laughs> because you're mad. But, um, so, yeah, so she's worked in the music industry. And also, you know, does she work in journalism? I don't know. She's a blogger. <laughs> she ends up in newspapers. That's literally all that counts. Yeah, okay. Next one. Career game. <laughs> the career girls are back. In love, in business, in the city. Oh, I thought you were going to say in the sack. <laughs> oh, shit. Music mogul Rowena Krebs is now a legend. She's even Rowena made it to- Krebs! Yeah. This was ghostwritten by Chris Morris, wasn't it? <laughs> She's <laughs> even made it to the Hall of Fame. Of what? I don't know. Exactly. <laughs> um, her old rival, now best friend, Topaz Rossi, is a designer... Oh, shit, that's a callback. Yeah. Topaz Rossi is the designer-clad top dog American magazines. All those American magazines. Yeah. Both women are happily married (laughs) and life seems sweet, but things are changing. Rowena senses a shift both in business and maybe on the home front. Topaz knows her circulation figures are dropping, but not what is wrong with her husband. And when you wear the crown, hidden enemies lurk in the shadows, waiting for the moment to strike. Never women to be not aside, Topaz Rossi and Rowena Krebs are alive and kicking and they're determined to show it. Kill me now. <laughs> this is why I'll make my daughter read them. Okay. Go straight on to the next one. After this one, the titles get significantly worse. I think you mean better. <laughs> okay, this one. <laughs> A kept woman. Oh. I imagine, before reading this, that it's going to be a kind of a prequel to A Handmaid's Tale. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wealth. Luxury. Privilege. Overrated? Question mark. Diana's combination of beauty and class has bagged her marriage to publishing mogul Ernie Foxton. Ernie Foxton. <laughs> and with that comes a stunning New York apartment, a designer wardrobe and a manicurist, hairdresser and masseuse on tap, with little more to do with her days than shopping and socialising. This is the life for which she was born. But then, without warning, the bottom drops out of Diana's meticulously constructed world, and she finds herself without her home or her husband, and with barely a dime to her name. For the first time in her life, she might just have to look after herself. But given how many people would love to see her fail, it's not going to be a walk in the park. That's good. That's aspirational. 
Because I know when I my first husband died, yeah, uh, the publishing that was horrible for you, Brent Taxman. <laughs> yes, um, I was inconsolable. I was in, just in the gutter. You I were terrible. Did not have my on tap masseuse. <laughs> yeah, and your back showed it. Yeah, it was. I was just tense for weeks. Yeah. Um, well, you look like Quasimodo. <laughs> um, okay, now here's the start of the worst titles. Desire. Nice, by Katie Price. <laughs> Lisa Costello is leading a charmed life until she wakes up the morning after her glamorous Thailand wedding to find her new husband, Josh, dead in their bed. I'm <laughs> sensing a theme here. How many times has Louise Mensch been married? Twice. She was married first to, I can't remember who he is, some bloke who yeah. had her, who she had her first. He had a load with. of money. He had, I think she had three kids with him. Didn't yeah, she. So, I know she's so got three kids. Two or three. Um, and then she left him to shack up with the manager of Metallica, which I've said on an earlier podcast, the worst metal band, <laughs> the worst one. Politically incorrect metal band. Ideologically incorrect, I should say. That's most of them. To yeah. Be fair. Well, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so she's married to him now and changed her name from Bagshaw to Mensch and stopped being Catholic. And I think she's a Juno. <laughs> no, I'm not. Take, I think she is a Juno. No, yeah, but you know what? For conservative pundits, what marrying a Jewish person does normally it would be a kind of sacred ceremony, a desire to be with your partner. For conservative pundits, it's. You can't criticise Israel now. Yep. Um, okay, so Thailand wedding to find a, hus- a new husband, Josh, dead in their bed. The murder weapon in her hand. She remembers learn- learning at the wedding that Josh had been unfaithful, but she certainly doesn't remember killing him. As Lisa flees the scene for Europe, ex-FBI trainee Sam Murray is on her trail. Catching up with her, he's quickly convinced she's been set up. But they start to work out... Oh, good God. And they start to work out... Which of movie producer Josh's many enemies could be behind the hit? <laughs> it's a race against time to unearth the truth and keep Lisa out of jail, or gunned di- gun down by the professional assassin tailing them, and the danger only adds to the excitement of the passion brewing between them. <laughs> Fuck One me. of his many enemies. It could be Baruch Goldstein. It could be... I think this is before she became a Jew. Tommy Panzerino. Oh, God. Okay. Man, I love crudely drawn ethnic stereotypes. <laughs> okay. Passion. These are like, they, they, now they've just become the names of energy drinks I've, I've, I've enjoyed. <laughs> energy drinks or like um, privatised radio stations. <laughs> A supercharged, irresistible tour de force about two people fighting their own feelings and fighting for their lives. A failed marriage between Melissa Elmet. And Will Hyde did a lot of damage. Yeah. She was too young. He was hurt when she left him. Years later, Melissa becomes a target for a kidnap plot. A consequence of her father's groundbreaking energy-saving invention. <laughs> and Will is the only man who can protect her. Wait, that's the plot to Chain Reaction. With Johnny Reeves and Morgan Freeman. <laughs> now they're on the run, thrown together again by the pursuit of vengeance. Will their passion for each other ignite, reignite? And now the final one, there are a lot more because she's written a whole lot of bullshit. Yeah, well, these books don't exactly sound like they have a meticulous long term research process. So it's. (laughs) Sparkles. It's Sparkles, the name of a horse. (laughs) Crossing decades and continents. Yep. 
Oh, oh, okay, yeah. All yeah. Right, yeah. And I imagine it's going to be very much like the Hotel New Hampshire. A tale of three generations of the same family, <laughs> yeah. Sparkles oh. is the totally compelling story. It's totally compelling. That's in the blurb. The totally it's compelling story totally compelling. of the Massett family. Fabulously wealthy, internationally adored. <laughs> As international wealthy families often are. Like the Assads. <laughs> I was um, going to go with the Rockefellers rather than, you know, the Lion Assad, but... The Massets own one of the last great aristocratic jewellery firms in Paris. <laughs> but where is its owner, Pierre? Yeah, the French Revolution really did for us, fellas. <laughs> it's never been the same since. But where is its owner, Pierre? Missing, presumed dead for 15 years. And what will happen to his beautiful young widow, Sophie? The answers lie rooted in the past Wait. and form part of the future in a way no one could have guessed. Wait, he's been missing for 15 years, but his widow's still considered young. Yeah, well, you know, French. <laughs> but yeah, so she's a shit writer. She's like a proper shit bag writer. That's so awesome. Um, and we will be doing... Because I'm pretty certain... I'm oh, Okay, either I remember reading it... Well, not reading the book, or read, reading excerpts of the book, or it coming to me in a fever dream that she did write a book where she... The character that is essentially her is a journalist and is banging Tony. Definitely, definitely not Tony, not Blair. It's definitely not Tony Blair. But she does really like him. She has talked before about how much she fancied him. Yeah, she became a Labour supporter for a brief period, for like two years. Well, she saw him laying down some sweet licks on his guitar and she was just like, (laughs) yes, please. There seems to be a common theme in this that, okay, yeah, obviously they're all about rich people because guess what? She is a rich person. Yep. But... All of their like all of the things that actually happen to them from the outside just seem to be incidental yes. <laughs> to their passionate romances or their gluttonous wealth. I'm pretty certain she has a dice and it has different things that could happen. So you roll the dice, kidnapping plot. Roll the dice, former best friend, starts feud. It's just Why bullshit. are none of these moguls ever invested in industrial plastics? <laughs> Why is it always like fashion, fashion or film or <laughs> But um she is a moron and she is lauded in America as being quite the genius. Yeah, she had that thing recently, didn't she? Yeah, with, with yeah. the Russia hacking. But before we go into the Russia hacking thing oh. and the best the brilliant article that was written about her being mental. Um after looking through all of her tweets, yeah. and there's a lot of tweets, <laughs> there are two which are my favourite ones. Oh, man. Okay, there's... Hit me, hit me with that sweet, sweet tweet. Um, the response to Charlie Hebdo should be to reprint his work and spread it wider than his killers could have thought possible. Because <laughs> Charlie Hebdo was just a guy. <laughs> Does she think that little knight on the cover of the Daily Express is like the founder? Yes. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> She's fucking idiot. Um, and then in 2014, she suggested that Theodore Herzl, um, the father of modern Zionism and author of the Jewish state, was an anti-Semite. And she would block him from her timeline. Yeah, because she said... Who? If he uses Zionist, then yes, cheap code word for Jew, anti-Semitism, not having it. Yeah, you see? And now she can say it exactly because she married a rich man. Yeah. Um, she's a fucking moron. Um, the I thing is, like, that. with the stuff I've going on with Russia, is, um, I don't have the whole article available right now. I don't know why I don't, because I'm an incompetent. But um, Prepare to there's see. a couple of things where she boasts about her ADHD being a superpower that enables her to see connections that no one else can see. <laughs> um, if you've seen 
It's always sunny in Philadelphia. Imagine Charlie. <laughs> oh, Charlie, when he's in the uh, the post room of that uh, that company. <laughs> yeah, he's worked out like this elaborate conspiracy theory. She seems utterly mental. Like she even admits that her she's become a joke to her children. Yeah. That you know, if like she like something goes wrong, the kids always say, "Oh, is it Russia, Mum?" Because she she followed a kind of. Like I say, it's not. It's it's rare that British journalists stroke politicians allow themselves to go fully into oafishness. Yeah, and she's been chased out of Britain because of the failure of her social media. No, 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 no. She wasn't chased out of Britain. <laughs> I mean, she wasn't. She did. She, she was married. She was married, and she wanted to be near her husband. No, her. I think her reasons are, are, are fine for leaving. Mm. I think she saw some advantages to leaving as well, but she didn't want her children to grow up too long in Britain. She wanted because she wanted to move to America to be with her husband. She was going to do it after because after. she hates Britain as well. Yeah, she does. Everything she, she's ever written has only ever led me to believe that she hates what Britain actually is. Well, she's a conservative. Yeah. So and yeah, the yeah. modern conservative despises Britain. Yeah, and would mu- actually would prefer exist, to leave. actually existing Britain. Well, yeah, just talk to an expat. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so she wanted to move to America to be with her husband. I don't know, talk about how great Metallica are. Um, and yeah. But yeah, there was the fuck up with mention when she when she was like... It was after... I think it was probably after a particularly savage beating she took on Twitter. She was like, <laughs> I'm going to have my own Twitter. And she set it up with Luke Bozier, who he's someone to talk about at a later date, who managed to blag his way oh, into being yes, seen as, yeah. a, as some kind of internet whiz kid genius who had to accept an had to accept a caution for possessing child porn. <laughs> <laughs> Which again, Louise mentioned she d- ditched him after that because we see that her own her main limit is child porn. <laughs> up to that, she's fine with pretty much everything. <laughs> But child porn is a hard limit. Yeah. That's when she just says red, and you have to stop. Um, She's had this kind of weird career rebirth, though, with the Russia hacking thing. Because yeah. everyone kind of treats her as this very, like, reliable... Or liberals, especially, I suppose, treat uh, treat her as this, like, reliable source on Russian hacking. Because she's a conservative that doesn't like Donald Trump. Yeah. So they think, oh, so she can't be too mad. And I, I always thought when she came out with that stuff, because she got... Um, Pre-released, uh, she got her hands on some locked, sealed, I think I should say, court papers about the FBI doing uh, and it having an investigation into Trump's yeah. Russia links. Yeah. And she got them kind of two days before or after the election. I can't exactly yeah. remember the timeline. But since then, they've been treating her as like fucking Woodward and Bernstein, like oh. uncovering the links and everything. And no matter how much you kind of say, no, she's insane. Yeah. It doesn't seem to phase well, them. Even the ex, I say the experts. Even the people who are like really into the Trump Russia thing mm. think she's insane. Yeah, and she yeah. is insane. Yeah. Um, also, she got these documents while working for Heat Street, a Murdoch-owned publication. Yeah. I wonder how she got those. <laughs> I wonder what possible measure of influence. Perhaps they should put a back door into WhatsApp. <laughs> That's how she got them. <laughs> but. Um, I watched her on TV last night because I watched the first time I've ever watched Bill Maher. Hmm. And I've said before how much I hate Question Time. My God, Americans have it hard. I, I'm so grateful for Question Time compared to that. <laughs> they are the worst human beings ever. They are pathetic, disgusting. 
disgusting, quizzling little pricks. I hate them all. And she was on there and she was credited as VP of News Corps, which I'm pretty certain isn't true. And if it is, I wonder how she got that. We all watched the Leveson Inquiry. We saw how hard she went in on him. When that pie was thrown at Murdoch, well, to be fair, Murdoch, and she jumped up like a like a good retainer. Murdoch's not exactly fucking stupid when it comes to those things. If he can't get someone over, he will just buy put them on his payroll. Yeah, it's it's a fairly. She was always on his side. Kind of the thing is, she has it because she was on that select. Yeah, she's a terrible. She's kind of she's kind of like um, uh, what's her name, uh, Katie Hopkins. Katie Hopkins. In that she's a professional contrarian. That's her journalistic practice. She just goes against what she believes to be a liberal consensus. But the problem is she's really fucking bad at it. Yeah. She's really, really terrible at it. She's an oaf. She bumbles into situations where she looks stupid. Not just in a kind of liberal way of, oh, well, you used to, you said this before, and now you say this. No, because she's, she doesn't have any positions to pin down. She's just terrible. Yeah. She's just awful and cannot track her own conversations no. she's an oaf well, which because is of amazing. her ADD superpower yeah, she can't I'm, remember what she just said I hate the fact that she's gone to America because now who have we got who mm. have we got who's an, a conservative oaf um, Peter Hitchens I was about to say Peter yeah. Hitchens yeah Peter Hitchens Nick Cohen's kind of an oaf but he's a kind of more concentrated oafishness yeah, um, James Dellingpole yeah James Dellingpole but he's more like he's a, he's more a, like a snake He's more snake-like. Again, professional contrarian. Snakes are pretty catty. Yeah, professional contrarian. snakes believe in climate change. (laughs) I've talked to a number of snakes. They don't want to be associated (laughs) with James Dunning-Bowl. But no, we we don't have that many proper full-blown oaves. And the ones we do, like Katie Hopkins, are just utter arseholes. Yeah. Like, that's the thing. Katie Hopkins, she's not even an entertaining contrarian to, like, listen to yeah. or watch because she just says you're fat you're fat and greedy I hate you yeah She's so it's there's there's nothing to come back on yeah whereas goddamn, Louise Mench gave it a try but she oh. is fucking awful at it yeah so I'm looking forward to well according to her that it's all gonna like he's gonna be indicted soon Trump <laughs> and so I'm looking forward to her celebrating that by He'll releasing die of a-, a new Multimedia company or social networking app called Topaz Rossi. Oh god. <laughs> anyway, yeah. yeah. So I think we've come to to a good ending there. Um, that was episode six of We Don't Talk About the Weather. Um, subscribe to us on iTunes or follow us at wdtatw underscore podcast on Twitter. Uh, leave us a review leave us a follow something like that let us know what you think and that's it from us cool thanks guys bye
Since they amputated my 